Hi, I'm Brittany. And I'm Amber. And we're the hosts of True Crime Buzz. We believe there's nothing better than a good glass of wine. Or Diet Coke. And true crime. So buckle up and get ready, y'all. Because each week we like to pour a glass. And discuss the most insane true crime stories ever. That's right. Murders, missing persons, cults, we cover it all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. With new episodes every Tuesday. So grab a drink and join us. Cheers. This episode contains content not suitable for all listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked Podcast, a true crime podcast where we bring you cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. What up? I'm Brittany. (laughs) And we are your hosts for the evening. So today, Britt is going to be leading our case. Yes, my case. Yes. So this one, I she told me a little bit about it, so I know that it's going to be very intense. You said we should have some trigger warnings up here at the top. So this is a child abuse and neglect case. So if you are triggered by children being abused and a death to a small child, I would probably recommend skipping this one. It's fine. Totally. I get it. 100%. You can catch us next episode next week. But I do want to let everybody know there is some heavy topics we'll be talking about today. If you want to tune out, that's absolutely fine. We won't take any offense to it. But we just want to put that out there at the start. We know that it's a true crime podcast, so you're expecting morbid things, but there are some subjects that are just a little bit more... A little bit more affected by probably... Heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, this one's an important case. I started doing a lot of research and then I got trapped into a rabbit hole, but I think this is a really important case to tell. And so I want to use the platform that we have to bring awareness to the situation. Yes. And if you have watched the Netflix documentary about Gabriel Fernandez, Fernandez, this is very similar, actually. We just wanted to emphasize that this is not just a one-off occurrence, that this happens in different states around the country because there are certain systems that just they need a little bit more resources to work with because they're or they just don't care that too because i know social work especially they're usually overworked and underpaid and understaffed so and i think you'll see in this case i don't think i mean that could have been the case but this was just blunt and not caring just a little well not a little but very very sad so we will I guess just go ahead and jump right in, right? Yeah. Well, actually, hold on. Should we do our shout outs real quick? Yeah, we shall do the shout out. So I was two days ago years old when I found out that the review <laughs> <laughs> I found out that the review section in the Apple Podcast Connect thing is actually laid out by different countries. So I was just looking at the reviews from the United States, but we have a couple of ratings from Canada. I think we have some from the UK. Australia, I think. Yeah, we have some from Australia. We've got people from all over the world listening and reviewing and rating, and I was not <laughs> like I knew that people were listening. I didn't realize that they were rating and reviewing as well. So thank you very much. We're going to go ahead and give some specific shout outs real quick. Okay. So Casey, iPhone nickname. What up? Thanks so much for the super sweet review. I love that. And 
Thank you. And then, thank you so much, Tosh. I'm so glad you love us. Thank you for the five stars. And Devin, she is my BFF from Canada. Thank you so, so much. I love you. Bye. <laughs> um, and I think I mentioned in one of our previous episodes that if you do leave a rating, we can't specifically see who rated. We can only see who reviewed. But thank you guys so much for leaving ratings. Even just that helps. So thank you very much. OK, Britt, take it away. So this case, I'm sure you saw the title, is about Terrell Peterson. So Terrell Peterson was born on March 1st in 1992 in Atlanta. When he was born, he was found with traces of cocaine in his system, which is really, really sad because straight out of the ballpark, you're struggling. Yeah, it's, I guess, in that sense. Kind of forewarning you. This is shadow. Wait, wait, wait. It's like just foreshadowing. (laughs) Starting right off from the bat, it is. So I found one article with his mother's name in it but i couldn't find his father's name but i don't know if this is the correct name for his mother if it's her actual name so i'm just gonna refer to his parents as his mother and father because Mm -hmm. i don't want to say the wrong name so his mother was addicted to crack cocaine and had reportedly obviously been using it during her pregnancy and she was using food stamps and her welfare checks to purchase these drugs and that's what police reports show so from Um, 1992 to 1995, at least seven calls were made to the police regarding Terrell and his siblings. Oh, wow. So in August of 93, police reports stated that his parents were locking Terrell and his two siblings, Tommy and Tasha, in a bedroom on the weekends and denying them food and water. What? Yeah. In February of 94, police reported that Terrell's mother was using drugs i think she stopped and started using again but she Mm -hmm. was using drugs and leaving the kids alone unsupervised so i mean he's only two two or one or two at this point in january of 95 police reports showed that terrell and his siblings are begging their neighbors for food and their mother is reported using daily oh jeez that's so sad yeah In November of 95, another police report states that the mother had left the children in the care of the sickly maternal grandmother. But despite all of these reports being made, the children were still left at home with their mom. So CPS did not, I don't know. Throughout this whole case, before Terrell's death, 11 caseworkers that were under 10 different supervisors had handled these many reports against this family. So none of the caseworkers thought to request or require random drug tests from either of the parents. No one checked criminal histories or interviewed the children, even though Tasha and Tommy were old enough to speak. Mm-hmm and form coherent sentences. In fact, most of them didn't even lay eyes on the children and they failed to follow up with witnesses or check on any medical records, so. Hold on. So they had all of these child protective service workers and most of them didn't even talk to the kids? Uh, yeah, that's what pisses me off. So like right out of the gate, I'm pissed off. <laughs> and okay. like, okay, so with uh, Terrell's mom and dad were both crack cocaine addicts, mm-hmm. which, okay, so being an addict is one thing and I've witnessed this firsthand. You know, I have my own beliefs about addiction. That doesn't, I don't know, I'm just. Taking drugs and being an addict doesn't automatically make you a bad person it does make you do things you wouldn't normally do and i feel like a lot of addicts have underlying psychological issues yeah 
that pushed them to become an addict. Now, of course, they do make the choice to do the drug, to, yeah. you know, involve themselves in drug use. Yeah, and I think after a point, though, once you've already been addicted, it's really hard to stop if you don't have access to, like, help. Yeah, I mean, and that's just my personal opinion. If you believe something different, I'm, I mean, that is your opinion, and I can't tell you you're wrong or you're right. So later on in the investigation, an investigation found that many of the caseworkers had violated internal guidelines for investigating abuse and neglect records and claims. Like, obviously. Yeah. Sorry, I, in your ear. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This case <laughs> really pisses me off. Did they, I don't know. How can you do your job if you're not even talking to the kids? First off. Okay, it's one thing to be like overworked and underpaid. I get it. But you still have abused children you have to follow up on. Yeah, because. So, the fact that they didn't follow up with any witnesses or the medical records, too, it's like... Or require drug test, even though drug usage was reported multiple times. Yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? Clearly nothing. <laughs> so, in June of 1996, the Child Welfare Agency of Fulton County finally decided they're going to do something. So, they pressured Terrell's mother into signing over rights to Berenia Peterson. And I think that's how you pronounce her name, but I don't care because I don't like her. So. <laughs> Berenia Peterson is the grandmother to Tasha and Tommy Peterson, which is Terrell's half-siblings. So, this means that Berenia is a non-flood relative to Terrell. So at the time, I can't really blame them for this, but they believe that all three children were fathered by the same man, mm -hmm. which was Vernia's son, who was also a crack addict that mm -hmm. I mentioned before. But it later came out that Terrell was another man's child. I want to state this is why Terry Lynn Peterson, which is Vernia's daughter, and Vernia Peterson disliked him and just did not like this kid because he was not kin to them by blood. Okay, but that's not his fault. He's also a four-year-old at this time. Yeah. And I want to make note, foster care prefers to place with blood relatives. This placement is preferred to help maintain the child's connection with the family. So in my opinion, they should have removed Terrell to someone under blood relative status. Yeah, because like you said, if he wasn't blood related to them, then yeah. Take him out of there. But at the same time, too, it's like if the blood relatives hate this kid, they're not going to be a good. Well, then at that point, put him with a foster parent. Yeah, they're not going to be a good guardian of this kid because they don't like him, which it boggles my mind that you can have such animosity for a four year old who had no say in who his parents were. Yeah. And it also needs to be noted that no monthly visits were made to Fernia Peterson's home by CPS workers. In fact, the workers rarely, if ever, appeared at the home. So I just want to make note of that. Yeah, I can see why this made you mad because I'm already mad and we're only like 10 minutes in. It also needs to be noted that foster parents cannot use punishments such as spanking or anything that might cause pain to the child or the children that they are in current custody of. Mm -hmm. So, so Terrell Peterson, this child, this four-year-old at the time, had a diet if they decided to feed him that day that only consisted of oatmeal for breakfast and grits for lunch and dinner. He got nothing else if they decided to feed him. That was on the off chance they decided he could eat something. Frenia and Terry Lynn Peterson would refer to Terrell as rat. So they will call this little child, this little boy who is so cute. If you guys look up a picture of him, he is so cute. But they refer to this little boy as a rat. Uh, no, ma'am. He's four. The only rats in here are you two. So... Terrell did not have a bedroom. They did not provide him a bedroom, a bed. He didn't get to sleep on the couch. He slept standing up 
tied to the staircase banister. Most of the time he was naked or in his underwear. Or if they decided to be somewhat kind, their definition of kind, I guess, they tied him laying down to a comforter and nothing else in the hallway of this house. Oh my God. It takes more effort to be this terrible than it does to just- A decent being. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know why, and there's going to be a lot of sad moments in this case, but this part really got me sad, and it's not even the worst. It was reported that once they had made a birthday cake on Terrell's birthday, and everyone got to eat some, but they were denied Terrell any cake. Nope. Nope. That's the saddest part to me, even though we're going to go through these abuse and trauma this kid endured. Well, yeah, because this is like getting his hopes up that, oh, they're going to be nice to me. They're going to celebrate my birthday. But no, they don't give a shit about him. (laughs) That's so sad. Okay. So at four years old, Terrell makes his first ER visit, and this is on Thanksgiving Day. So he was actually visiting his mom because I think their mom was trying to be a good mother. Trying to clean up. Even though she was battling addiction and being a crack cocaine addict mm-hmm. so an ambulance had taken him to Hughes Spalding hospital after his mother found him covered in bruises and abrasions um, mm-hmm. and so she called an ambulance and had him transported there I think him and his two siblings were staying with her for Thanksgiving but they had been there visiting with her for the holiday mm-hmm. so an Atlanta police investigator his name was AC Booker he arrived at the ER I guess someone reported it where he consulted with the doctor who was working with Terrell mm-hmm. Okay, and this is like a direct quote from Booker, but Booker said, as I looked at little Terrell's body, most of his injuries were old. However, he had marks, scars, and lacerations on his body. His injuries included right forehead and ear badly scarred, a mark pattern, buttocks swollen and tender, and lower back marked, and so is his left forearm. So already... I mean, I don't know. Whatever. When medical professionals see somebody who they think is being abused, especially when it's a child, they're obligated to either call the police or call Child Protective Services. And it's the same, I think, with therapists as well. Now, but we'll get into that later. So Terrell told the investigator, because, you know, Booker is like, hey, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't say, hey, dude, but he was like, hey, little dude, like, what happened? And so Terrell told him that his grandmother had hit him with a belt, and sometimes she hit him with a shoe. Mm-hmm. And so Booker, I guess, was like, why'd she beat you? Why'd she hit you? And he said his last beating was because he peed in his clothes. As a four-year-old child usually does... I mean, unless you're potty training him actively, not not to. So the doctor then told the investigator Booker that Terrell had battered child syndrome. So if you don't know what battered child syndrome is, it is a clinical condition of seriously abused children caused by a parent or caregivers. Just a little information for you. So they call for any up. They're like, what the fuck? Bro. Also, side note, my grandma said it was really unprofessional for me to cuss, but it does say explicit. So I don't know what to tell you. We gave you a warning ahead of time. (laughs) Sorry, Grandma. (laughs) Okay, back up. So the investigator calls and they're like, what the fuck? What is this shit? Like, why? What happened? Why are you abusing your grandson? Grania tells caseworkers, I didn't abuse him. Uh, His injuries were from falling and fighting at the school. How is any of that consistent with falling and fighting at school for a four or five year old? Yeah, so he's only four at this time. Okay, so he's four. What school is he going to? I 
don't know. I can find. Well, no, I'm just saying like four years old, unless you're in like preschool or at daycare. Even at daycare, they're not going to beat you up to where you have a swollen butt and it's tender and red. I mean, it depends on the daycare. We know we've seen some cases lately of daycare workers who have been awful, but. That is a different episode. (laughs) Besides the point. Okay. (laughs) The same night Fernia was arrested, but what was she charged with? You may ask. She was charged with reckless conduct, which is a misdemeanor. Excuse me? <laughs> reckless conduct? Reckless conduct. I mean, I guess that's reckless conduct, but and there's more. Child abuse neglect? Yeah. Neglect of a child? There's more to it than that. <laughs> so, I don't even have kids. This case got me heated. <laughs> I mean, you guys can't see me, but Britt can see me, and I'm just over here like... What the fuck? Okay, so... That night, after Terrell was discharged from the hospital, the police released him back to the care of his mother, and she was told not to return him back to Farina. I think this was, like, until they, like, fully investigated the situation. Yeah. But the following week, Farina, Farinia, Farina, whatever, appeared in the Atlanta Municipal Court to face charges. This is where CPS really starts to piss me off. Fulton County CPS failed to show up to court on a scheduled court date, and the judge decided to dismiss the charge because the victim failed to appear. The victim is a four-year-old child. How is he going to appear without an adult taking him? Where was the case worker? <laughs> this is your job. Yeah, this is part of your duties as a child protective service worker. Even if you are overworked and you have a bunch of cases, like... There are still children being abused. You do what you can to help them in the ability that you have. Yeah, there's no excuse for not showing up to court to just be the advocate for your kids. So don't worry, I'm going to name names. <laughs> Cheryl Elmore was the caseworker that was responsible to bring Terrell to court or at the very least being present to represent him in court. But Cheryl, Cheryl, you hear me? You failed to do your job. You fucked up, Cheryl. So instead of trying to reschedule the hearing like a completely sane person would, she completely neglected her job, wrote a memo that was a complete lie. The memo that Cheryl wrote said the judge believed Miss Peterson and she did not feel like she was guilty of child abuse. That's a lie. The case was dismissed because the victim failed to appear because Cheryl, you didn't do your job. Um, I really hope Cheryl ended up getting in trouble for this as well. We'll get there. Okay. After the memo was recorded, CPS decided that Terrell was safe, closed his file. No. Records show, I just want to point this out, records show that Terrell was back in Bernie's custody the day after her arrest was made. CPS, what the fuck? CPS closed her case once the charges against her was dropped. Later on, the director of the department, Peggy Peters, would later go on to state in the incident, Again, I can't speak for Miss Elmore, but I certainly would not have made the decision. Obviously, nobody in their right mind would make that fucking decision. Yeah, it sounds like Cheryl Elmore was just lazy as shit and not a good CPS worker. Just throwing that out there. Terrell obviously returned to school um, and his head start teacher, she knew something was seriously wrong because he was not walking normally. So she asked Terrell if he was injured and he didn't answer. So once he didn't give her an answer, she removed his shoe to find that his feet were seriously burnt. What? So the same night on December 28th, which was less than three weeks after Ferenia's arrest, Terrell was sent back to the ER 
This time, are you ready? It was for an infected third degree burn on the bottom of his left foot. Okay. And how did he get this burn? So if anybody doesn't know what a third degree burn is, I think this is the worst out of all the degrees. So a third degree burn is when all layers of the skin are destroyed. It can affect the skin's ability to grow back. So it was likely that the nerve endings on his little feet were severely damaged. And so that delayed him of feeling any pain. Verenia told hospital staff and the doctors that were working with Terrell that he had burned his feet a week before he made it to the ER by standing on a space heater grate and that she had been treating the wounds herself until they became infected. Okay, well, girl, they were infected, so why didn't you call the hospital and have a doctor's appointment checked out? Because I would do that if I had a kid and his foot was burnt. Also, if there's a child in your care standing on a space heater grate, even if it was just them doing it themselves, which I absolutely do not believe, you would think if you were a good caretaker which you're not, that you would have called somebody to take him to the hospital that night or done something. Well, his injury was so bad, Terrell had to be admitted to the hospital and have a skin graft from his hip be placed on the bottom of his feet just so he could walk. Oh, this poor baby. I also want to mention, nobody reported this abuse to CPS from the hospital and clearly her story did not align with the injuries. So I don't know what was going on with their heads and the thought process, but nobody was thinking. A whole lot of people dropped the ball here. And here's the thing, this case could have been easily prevented. Yeah. From the first call made to CPS back in 1992, this case could have been prevented. <sighs> Dr. Randall Alexander, he is the director of the Center of Child Abuse at Morehouse School of Medicine. He stated, I have a problem with this story. If it's going to be hot, you're going to jump off of it as fast as you can. A four-year-old is going to get off as fast as he can. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody enjoys pain. It's like when you place your hand on a burner, you're not going to leave it there. You're going to pull it off as soon as it gets hot. Yeah, I mean, your body has like an involuntary reaction. It feels pain. It's going to jerk away. Yeah, it's an instinct. So... He was clearly being held there by something. So Don Keenan, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's the attorney that would later sue the state on behalf of Terrell. Mm -hmm. He would later go on and say in court that Peterson was so mad about being arrested, she burnt the flesh off the bottom of his feet within a week after getting him back. She burned the bottom of his feet so bad that he had to get skin transplanted on his little feet so he could walk. That's so sad. And, you know, after I wrote that down, I got to thinking, He probably loved being in the hospital because he got three meals a day. He got people loving on him or at least showing him some kind of affection. Yeah, people were checking on him constantly because if you've ever been admitted in the hospital, the nurses are coming like every hour to make sure that you're okay. Every hour, on the hour. Trust me, I know. I could not sleep. (laughs) (laughs) This is less than a couple weeks after he gets admitted to the hospital. But on January 15th in 1998, Terrell was rushed to Hugh Spalding Hospital, the same hospital he'd been going to, in cardiac arrest. A five-year-old in cardiac arrest. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Britt, what do you usually get up to around the holidays? Not really a whole lot. Why? 
Well, my family does this thing that we call mandatory family fun. It's essentially just family game nights. And this year we're going to be trying out Finder Seekers. It's this awesome game with a monthly subscription where each box has puzzles based on different cities around the world. Ooh, is it kind of like a scavenger hunt? Yeah, a scavenger hunt from the comfort of your own home. I'm excited to add this game to our family nights. You should try it out. Go to finderseekers.com and sign up for your box today. So if you guys don't know what cardiac arrest is, cardiac arrest is when you lose suddenly and usually unexpectedly heart function, breathing, and consciousness. It's essentially a heart attack. So at 1055 that night, Terrell Peterson was pronounced dead. <sighs> this poor baby. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm so sad. Like, this case really pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. So, Terry Lynn Peterson, which is Terrell's aunt, I've mentioned her before, she would later tell the police that she was feeding Terrell dinner at 9 p.m. He told her that he was feeling tired and then suddenly fell over and stopped breathing. First of all, why are you feeding this child at 9 p.m.? I was say, that's really late. I mean, we eat dinner at 9 p.m., but we're also adults and married and do what we want. So. Yeah, he's five years old. Usually they're asleep by like eight. There was recent bruising and fresh blood on him that nobody could explain to hospital staff and doctors or the police how it happened or what happened to cause them so i just want to point that out hmm. so the autopsy was done on his body the next morning and it showed that the abuse had been going on for a long period of time at the time of his death Terrell only weighed 25 pounds a healthy five-year-old boy should weigh anywhere from 39 to 45 pounds Jesus christ so he was he was emaciated at the point of starvation. Yeah. The medical examiner could not accurately determine what his cause of death was, or they would go on to say it could have been starvation, a blow, or multiple to the head, or a combination of all the torture inflicted upon him during the short life that this little boy lived. <sighs> so anyways, back to fucking CPS. <laughs> Fuck these guys. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, fuck all the adults in this story. Shortly after his death, the State Division of Family and Children's Services began an internal investigation to see if caseworkers who worked on this case had followed policy guidelines. No, uh, they did not. Slash, they didn't. Nope. The investigation would conclude that a serious lack of judgment and a numerous violations throughout the case had occurred. No, duh. <laughs> like, no shit, Sherlock. So this information was never made public, by the way. Excuse me? Yeah. This is a full-blown cover-up. So Sarah Brownlee, she was the then head of social services. We love Sarah, okay? Well, like, we love her in this situation. I don't know what kind of person she was, but, like, in this situation, <laughs> she was pretty cool. The then head of social services for the state of Georgia wrote a letter to Ralph Mitchell. Ralph Mitchell, I don't even have words, okay? But he was the then Fulton agency head, but she wrote a letter that they had not followed policy or guidelines throughout this case. So she went on to further criticize him and his agency for failing to enforce their safety plans for the children, failing to interview Terrell and his siblings, not showing up for court, or to even conduct a decent investigation. Like, yes, queen, put this man in his place. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> she directed Ralph Mitchell to, and I'm going to, say his full name uh, because we want you to know who this piece of garbage is. Yeah. So she directed Ralph Mitchell to plan and put into place steps that would prevent another tragedy like Terrell's from happening. And he had two weeks to get this in place and send it to the state. So yes, make him take accountability, girl. Do the damn thing. Ralph Mitchell, in response, reprimanded four employees involved in Terrell's case. Just four. If you remember the beginning of the episode, 11 caseworkers and 10 supervisors were involved in the case before Terrell's death. But he reprimanded four employees over a letter 
sent copies to the state and that was it. That's all he did. And that's all I could find that he did. He might've done more, but that's all I could find. So you're telling me 21 people failed this boy and only four of them were reprimanded. When you say reprimanded, do, were they fired or were they just yelled at? Um, they were written a strongly worded letter. I would like to speak to your manager, Ralph Mitchell. <laughs> Ralph Mitchell is the manager. He's okay. the head of the department. I don't know where we go from here, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody above him, not necessarily in that department, but. Peggy Peters, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I didn't really find a lot of information on her one way or the other. I really wasn't looking for a lot of information on her. Yeah, makes sense. Anyway. So only one public statement was made about this entire case from the Fulton County CPS people. And it was written by who? None other than Ralph Mitchell. Oh, joy. He went on to state that his agency was outraged by Terrell Peterson's death and that they had responded immediately and all steps had been followed regarding this case and investigation. Excuse me, Mr. Mitchell. Hello. <laughs> Are you there? <laughs> Excuse me. I have some I have words. Questions. I have some words for you. Okay. If you didn't think that was bad, listen to this. Uh, mm-hmm. A private memo had been written after the public statement and was sent to the department head, Peggy Peters, in which Ralph had admitted that his statement to the public was untrue. And thankfully, no one from the media called to follow up. <laughs> so this man lied, admitted that he lied. And was thankful no one called to follow up on his lie. Wow. I I, I need, please tell me there's some closure on this. <laughs> I want to note that Ralph Mitchell was not fired for this, and neither was the caseworker, Cheryl Elmore, who was responsible for bringing Terrell to court for the first arrest made. Oh, they okay. also want to go on to state that Ralph Mitchell did retire with a pension. So. He should be retired in the state prison. I just want everyone to know that this story right here is my supervillain origin story. So so due to state privacy laws, Terrell's records were sealed um, and accessible to the media. And I think it's for so many years and then they're made public. It probably makes sense because of the fact that he was a minor. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, someone from the department anonymously gave Don Keenan the case file. So shout out to you, anonymous person. I think personally, the person who did this, I mean, it was never stated. Nobody ever admitted it. But I think it was one of the people involved in this case mm-hmm. who might not have intentionally neglected to do their job. Like mm-hmm. who might have really tried to do their job, but unfortunately did not have enough resources to do so. And I think this was their way of trying to fix it. Yeah. And it's possible it could have been somebody who was like newer to the department. Yeah. Like we've said multiple times throughout this, there's a difference between being overworked and underpaid from neglecting to do your job at all. Yeah. And people like Cheryl Elmore don't deserve to have jobs at all, but especially in this. librarian, Cheryl. (laughs) Don't even do that. She'll neglect the books. Okay. So it would later be stated that this was the worst case of child abuse that Fulton County had ever seen. Yeah. Terrell's half-siblings, Tasha and Tommy, were placed with a family member named Fran Peterson after his murder. I know later on, I couldn't find a lot about Fran. I couldn't find really anything on Tommy. Yeah. Tasha, I think, was the oldest. She was later on adopted by a foster parent. Okay. Because she was 16 at the time of the trial, because the trial happened in 2002. So she was 16 because she testified. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything else. Okay. 
don't know. They tried to find like more recent articles to maybe like the siblings and came out and spoke with something. Yeah. So in May of 1998, so Terrell died in January. So four months. Yeah, four months after his death, a grand jury indicted Farina Peterson, who was 55, Terry Lynn Peterson, who was 30, and Calvin Pittman, who was Terry's boyfriend, who was 22, for felony murder, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, and cruelty to children. I just want to say, why is a 30-year-old, I mean, it's legal, obviously, but like a 30-year-old dating a 22-year-old is a little weird, because I'm like 22, and I don't want to date a 30-year-old. I mean, I'm married, but I wouldn't want to date a 30-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of opinions about age gaps, but usually what it means is that the person who's significantly older isn't able to get anybody who is their own age, so they have to prey on the younger ones who don't know any better. That's neither here nor there in this time. (laughs) True. Like I said, Tasha, at 16 years old, would later testify at Terry Lynn Peterson's trial, but she would go on to testify that the aunt would often beat Terrell with extension cords. That the aunt could okay so in her trial that I read I couldn't find any like in detailed notes in Farinia or Farina's trial what Tasha would testify was that Terry Lynn was the one who ran the house mm-hmm. so she was the one doing most of the torture I mean Farinia or Farina I don't know how to pronounce her name. Was not innocent at all by no means. Like she was doing a lot of beating and torturing of Terrell, but I think the aunt had more of the vengeance towards him. Yeah. Because it was her brother. I don't know. She would forcibly dunk Terrell's head into a toilet. And that was also stated by the autopsy that they, I don't know if they could tell it. I read it, but I forgot to write it down. Tasha stated that there was a rule about flushing the toilet in the house because they would force Terrell to eat human feces, would force it into his mouth if he did not willingly eat it. And then if he was upset about eating it or didn't want it, they would beat him, then make him eat it. Um, I would just like to state that I'm very glad that I just finished eating my dinner because I'm no longer hungry. And I, we mentioned before, like the Gabriel Fernandez case. If you've seen the Netflix documentary about his case, there's a lot of similarities yeah. in Terrell's case that are in Gabriel's case. But I do want to mention in Gabriel's case, it was the mom and the step or the mom's boyfriend. Yeah would force Gabriel to eat cat feces out of the litter box. So I just want to point that out. Let's just take a moment of silence because I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, I have words, but I can't formulate them. So I'm going to sit here for a minute. None of this is funny. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because this makes me uncomfortable. And that's what I do in uncomfortable situations. I feel that. I feel that. Side note, my coworker, I was getting something out of the trunk of her car and uh-huh. I, she didn't walk away fast enough. And so I was well, pulling, she has an SUV and I was pulling the trunk down, like mm-hmm. the door to the trunk and I slammed her in the head with it on accident. <laughs> but it hurt like, obviously really bad and I didn't know what to do. And I started laughing because I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> so in 2002... Farina and Terry Lynn Peterson would both be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I believe Calvin, I could not for the life of me find his arrest records and if he was charged. I think he obviously was. I mean, there's no way. Because he, I couldn't find it in any articles too, but he obviously participated in it. Yeah. 
I mean, there's such an age gap. He was doing it because he's an awful human being, but he was also probably doing it to like impress Terry Lynn. Yeah. I'm assuming he was charged as well. I think it would be stupid to not charge him. Agreed. So anyways, I just want to point that out. I couldn't really find anything. And it was not for the lack of trying because I really went down a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Terrell would be buried at the family plot beside Thomas Mitchell at Mitchell Grove Baptist Church. Terrell's lawyers paid for his tombstone. That's really sweet. I'm glad so- I'm glad somebody did because clearly the family wasn't going to. No, I read in somewhere, but I don't know like how true it was that the mom, I think she was clean during the <laughs> trial. From what I could gather from like the small bits of information I could find, I think she was trying. Like, I don't think she wanted to willingly give her kid up, her kid up. But I think after all this, she was really trying to get clean. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's just food for thought. Yeah. This is so sad. It was reported that nobody was present during the burying of his body and that some men came down from Atlanta to quickly bury the boy. So that's really sad. So he didn't even get a proper funeral. I think the deacon of that church was passing by as they were like, in the process of figuring out like I think while they were trying to you guys can't see it but I'm talking with my hands (laughs) but like while they were digging the grave Mm -hmm. uh, as he passed by and I think the deacon said some words right over the that's what I'm assuming because I I did see where the deacon did pass by during this so I think he spoke but he didn't really have like a, a memorial service or anything well I hope so so Ralph Mitchell would later retire with a pension uh, I lied. This is my supervillain origin story. Jesus Christ. The then governor of Georgia, Roy Barnes, would later pass the Terrell Peterson Act. So I think this was in 99 or 2000, but that would allow doctors and hospital staff to temporarily take custody of an abused child. Well, good. And treat them within 70 hours before reporting it to CPS. Well, that's good. At least something good came out of this because clearly Ralph Mitchell can go fuck right off. And I want to point that the hospital staff, his family, CPS, the teachers, if they didn't do their job, his death could have been avoided if people would have just did their job. Yeah. Like, it's not hard. Just do it. And if you don't like kids, don't get into a job where you have to be with kids. I think the thing that upsets me the most is the CPS stuff because... This is clearly, yeah, this is, and the way they tried to cover it up after this, this is clearly a case of them not doing their job. Yeah, it's like you have technically one job, and that is to protect the children that you are the caseworker for, and they couldn't even manage to do that. But it doesn't look like any of them faced any consequences and neither did the head of the organization either. So it's like I think they forced him into retirement like really soon after. Okay, so but, a pension, but yeah, it's he still got a pension, which he shouldn't have gotten because he failed to he do his fired, not forced into early retirement. In my personal opinion. Yeah, you see that a lot in certain job areas, I guess. It's kind of like with the Catholic Church, where when one of the priests is caught abusing a child, they don't force them into retirement. They just kind of move them to different churches. And it's similar with police officers because they don't usually face consequences. If they do have to leave a job because of misconduct, they end up getting a job somewhere else because police unions will usually like work their magic and do that. So it's like if you are in a job where some sort of power, 
yeah, that has some sort of power, it is your responsibility not to abuse that power. And if you don't, there should be some method of accountability held against that person. So another similarity in between the Gabriel Fernandez case and this, the caseworkers did not do their job in that case either. Yeah. They clearly did not do their job. And I don't know if it was from the fact that they just didn't care or that they couldn't be bothered by it, but they didn't do their job in that case. They didn't do their job in this case. And I do remember watching an SVU episode where Whoopi Goldberg was in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? She was the caseworker and she got put on trial because they let like a little girl die in a cage or something. Mm -hmm. I think so. She was like, we're underwork, we're underpaid. I get it. hundred percent. I get it. Totally. I can, I get it. But if you can't do your job, quit, leave, get another job. It's not that hard. I understand it to a certain extent because with so few resources and so few people working in that field, there's only so much that you can do. But at the same time, this was neglect and you neglected to get drug tests. You neglected to interview the children. You neglected to look at the child that was in question of being abused. Yeah, because there's certain things like even if they had just done one of those, they could have prevented the majority of the stuff from happening. Cheryl lied. Yeah. Lane lied saying that the judge believed her. No, the judge didn't have a victim in court, so she had to dismiss the case. Yeah. They went out of their way to cover up. (laughs) Yeah. They went out of their way to cover up their own misconduct and a little boy died because of it. And I'm not saying this is all caseworkers because caseworkers are great. Mm -hmm. They, you know, most of the time do do their job. They do help children. They do place them in foster homes. Yeah. They do get children out of abusive situations, but this was clearly not a reflection of that. Yeah. These people in particular did not do their job. They did not. They did due diligence to do what they could to save this little boy. And unfortunately, he died because of that. Yeah. So if you know of somebody or you are witnessing child abuse or child neglect, you can report a child abuse case by texting or calling the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. You weren't kidding when you said that this one was intense. <laughs> But it's an important case. And I don't see a lot of things about this. Like, I know there was a 60 minute. Is it 60 seconds or 60 minutes? 60 minutes. So I know there's a 60 minutes episode about it. And I think that was like one of in the first season. Sorry. But I couldn't (laughs) find the episode. Like, I think there was only so many seasons on Amazon Prime. But I couldn't find that episode. So there's not really like a lot about it. And like, Mm -hmm. I wish Netflix or Hulu would make a documentary about it because... This needs to be brought to public. Like, people need to know. Yeah, because I remember when the Gabriel Fernandez documentary came out because a lot of people were watching it and they were just sick by it. But That was during quarantine. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that he's not the only one that the system has failed. There are so Whoa, many other people. The system people. has failed so many children, so many other people. And I think we need to bring it to light because we're never going to be able to solve the issue if we're continuing to hide it and covering it up. Yeah. And I know that it's definitely gotten better since then. Like this case yeah. was back in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And I believe Gabriel Fernandez's was mid 2000s or something like that. Yeah. So it's gotten better, but they're still understaffed, underfunded. And just they have a lot of needs because there's a lot of kids who are going through these systems. Unfortunately, and it sucks. And, you know, I wish there was a better way, but unfortunately there's not. So we need to 
We just need to not abuse children. Yes. I mean, that's like the bare minimum. But if you can't manage to do that. Call the National Child Abuse Hotline. Also, if you're able to, I would recommend possibly looking into organizations in the area who help foster children and possibly we'll see if we can like find some and link them in our bio instagram and twitter if you can help that would be great if not just spread awareness by sharing this episode yes spread awareness if you're able to donate even if it's not financially like you can donate even just backpacks because a lot of kids who go from foster home to foster home don't even have just a backpack to carry their belongings in. But in lighter news, <laughs> we reached over 1,000 followers. So that's fantastic news. Well, only on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I've been a lot more active on Twitter since the last episode that I took the lead in. Yeah. So Britt is over on Twitter. I can log in occasionally but i don't even log into my own twitter so well that's a lie i've been checking twitter but i haven't been posting because that's what i do on social media is i'm usually checking every single day i just don't post because <laughs> i only have so much that i feel like the world needs to know so so currently in this current time that i'm speaking at we have 1193 followers on the gram and then on twitter we have 326 followers, which was a great leap from the 11 followers we did have. I was about to say, I think the last time I saw it was like, we just passed 100. So that's pretty impressive. And then in our Facebook group, we have 118 followers. Nice. We have 14 subscribers on YouTube. Guys, we want our own URL. You have to subscribe on YouTube. We need 100 of you lovely people to subscribe. Also, if you see a trolley comment, feel free to... Report it. <laughs> we're not well, salty about it, but we're like a little salty about it. Well, I was going to say what you can do is you can just troll them back. Uh, that's kind of what I did with oh, the, the one troll. <laughs> okay, I did I did it once because they said that they had barely made it two minutes. And I said... All I said was bummer with the shrug emoji. That's all I did. But do it's not like... troll back. We are a safe space. We do not. We are not mean to people. If they troll us, it's fine. Just let it be. Hold on, my. Like side eyeing me. No, I'm. My dogs are running through the <laughs> through the basement. So. Hi, Marlo. That one was Daisy. Hi, Daisy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So you don't have to troll them, but. Yeah, I don't know. If you see, don't hold them. Yeah, if if you see a really mean comment, just report it or something. I report it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't troll people back because we're better than them. Speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, all I did was say bummer with the shrug emoji because I'm just like, I mean, we're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I enjoy us, so that's really all that matters. And Chris enjoys us, so <laughs> yeah. My sister, after we posted. I think it was the first or second episode. She called me and she was like, this is so good, guys. <laughs> so if I won my sister's approval, I know that I've made it because she is very picky, but not picky in a bad way. She's in the entertainment industry. So she, like she knows what is not popular, but like what is good artistry, so to speak. Well, for that one mean comment we got, we got like 
a thousand million nice comments on Instagram from other exactly. people. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've only had the one negative comment so far, and I want to preface that by saying constructive criticism. I don't count that as negative. So if you have constructive criticism, like if you think there's something we can do better feel free to let us know. That's completely different. I don't count that as negative. That's actually helpful <laughs> for us because this is new. We're still we figuring this out. We've been doing this for a long time. Yes. We love you guys. I want to like interact with you all. Exactly. So we are on all of the social media. Well, not all of it, but the ones that we've listed so far, we are on... <laughs> We're on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Shockingly Wicked, I think. Yeah, we have not been as active on TikTok as we could be, but we're working on it. (laughs) If you guys listen to this and you like TikTok, go like that video, and then I will be more inclined to post more videos. Yes. Because we we need the validation, so we only have one comment and six likes. So well, and I think the one comment is from me too. So (laughs) we have no comments. (laughs) Okay, so we are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on YouTube. If you just search up Shockingly Wicked podcast, we should pop up. So give us a a subscribe, like our videos, comment if you feel up to it. I don't usually comment on videos, but hey, I mean, I think I commented on one video and it was a. Vampire Diary scene and I commented about something and I got like 1.2k likes so well, you're pretty uh, pretty famous in the Vampire Diary circles I would say I'm bad at <laughs> you guys like uh, subscribe because I love that <laughs> yes so we're also on Facebook if you search up the Facebook group not a page it's a group for Shockingly Wicked Podcasts. It's a private group. You do have to request to join, but we're not going to turn you away unless you act weird. So we'll see you there. Okay, bye. Bye.